I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about Batman Adventures issue 12, which came out August 3rd, 1993. Same team as the previous issue. This issue of Batman Adventures is actually called Batgirl Adventures. Can you imagine, Jason? A Batgirl? A Bat-a-girl? Break out your best Tim Meadows impression, because it's Ladies Night, I I guess. You ever see the movie Ladies Man? Jason, I, I, I have, I have not. It's probably, we should probably not see that movie. We should probably I don't, not. I don't know. I kind of have a soft spot for Timmy Meadows. Honestly, I, I love Tim Meadows, but I can guarantee that movie has not aged well. It, it might, I, I heard, I have vague memories of, well, just heard from secondhand that he like lives on a houseboat. And so just, you're you're in it for the know. houseboat is what you're telling me. Yeah, I'm in it for the houseboat. But so okay. yes, the the uh, Leon uh, I I cannot remember the character's last name would have been very into this issue of Batman he, Adventures. He would have been very into he, he this issue. But before we get into that, Shadow of the Bat 16 was on stands. While it isn't a traditional Bat book for this, I think DC kind of looked at the sales numbers of the event was that was going on and decided that in this particular Shadow of the Bat, it's nightfall. (laughs) You've got nothing. Beg for mercy. Scream my name. Never. Well, um, I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to have to push back on that. That was a beautiful delivery, though. Okay. But because this is unnumbered, I think this is more of like, eh, it's nightfall. (laughs) <laughs> or like or like why not nightfall why not nightfall yeah i i talked about this a little bit in the previous pod the showcase story was a nightfall number and this isn't a nightfall number and i don't know what the difference is i think the difference is dc is looking at sales numbers of shadow of the bat and they're like how do we get these numbers up put a fucking nightfall header on we'll just run a nightfall yep. story we didn't yeah. we didn't put a numbering in there. Who cares? Just no number, just nightfall, whatever. So it's got a banner. These issues have yeah. a banner. And there's yeah. three of them total. We're only talking about the first one. Yeah, it's just like in the 90s how uh, anytime a book either launched or if it was lagging, you would almost immediately see like Wolverine on the cover. <laughs> like, oh, they're trying to <laughs> It's weird. Uh. It's weird when they did it for a lot of DC titles when they were putting Wolverine on the cover too. That was a weird time in comics. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, better to uh ask for forgiveness than ask for permission, which man, whenever I say that out loud, I'm just like that just does not like really you know what? Never mind. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. That gonna also, yeah, that with, also with didn't that age well. Much like, like the ladies' man, that also yeah, expression is yeah, not aged the, well. Yeah. The whole the whole road of riffing on that expression is not going to a place that I want to get. I'm, I'm turning off of that. I am making a joke about putting Wolverine on the cover of Batman books. However, there is a Ty Templeton Dark Claw uh, amalgam issue that I want to get a hold of that is apparently kind of batman adventures related because it's ty templeton and rick burchett and and team um and it's you know when they decided to combine heroes from the dc and marvel universe and they combined batman and wolverine into dark claw 
God, Amalgam. Maybe we should do that because I never read those because when those came out, uh, I had already, you know, aged far out of all most sure, of the sure. mainstream I bet there's stuff I anyway. Bet there's some, I bet there's some fun stuff in there. I bet there is. I, <laughs> it reminded me, when Amalgam came out, it reminded me how like Wizard Magazine used to have these like little things where it was like, oh, make your own character. These like fun little character generators, you know? Sure. And it was like, they would give you like these like two lists and you just sort of randomly like if, you know, you you draw like a di- you had to draw a diagonal line from like the first part of the superhero's name to the second part of the superhero's name. And then that also informed whatever their power was. And I'm just like, oh, Jason, that's this what feels they did. like this feels <laughs> like the Batman annual detective comics annual that we read for this month. So we're going to put a pin in that idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For yeah a second, for a yes, second. it does. That is a good point. Let's talk about Shadow of the Bat 16. Scarecrow leaves the Joker and finally got his groove back. He don't need no man. It's part one of three. Alan Grant writing, Brent Blevins penciling. Two plots are happening here. Jean-Paul Batman gets manipulated into beating the tar out of the Hood Brothers by Anarchy. Yeah. Anarchy is an anarchist based villain. I was never really clear on Anarchy's whole kind deal. Of, it, as, kind you of. Know, as, as, as someone who's reading The Conquest of Bread and attempting to read another anarchist 18th century uh, philosophy book. Jason, I'm going to st- stop you right just there. Like, Let me man, stop you right there. Like, if you're looking for intelligent, no, I'm not, I'm not. well-written principles I, about anarchy... In this Batman issue, you are not going to find them. No, no, no. I'm not. I mean, I saw that and I just kind of smirked at it. I, w- I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. But I will say it did kind of like win me back a little bit when uh, Anarchy gave his motivation as like for being like, oh, the people have to. I'm like, yeah. OK, well, that's kind of that's actually that's closer. You know, that's closer. But yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not expecting a a, a well-represented like. Right. I've, right. Anarchy, <laughs> Anarchy read to me in this issue a lot like. A 13 year old just finds out about like what the concept of anarchy is and is just trying to run with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's very much who whoever like created the character and whoever's writing it was just like, oh, yeah, that uh, that that, that crazy wizard uh, Alan Moore guy. Uh, he did that V thing, right? That V. The V. Yeah, he was all about the uh, anarchy thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. OK, OK, OK. It's like he never read like he knew whoever. <laughs> They knew what V for Vendetta. Right. It, they they knew it existed. It's a pale imitation of V for Vendetta. Yes. Yeah. yeah which is which is fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fun. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Anarchy yeah, tricks, yeah. Yeah. Anarchy tricks Jean-Paul Batman into beating up the Hood Brothers. Yeah. Anarchy watches while Batman beats them up. He decides while he's watching them that he just does not like Batman's whole thing. Meanwhile, in the Scarecrow bits, a traumatized college kid whose father was murdered by the Scarecrow gets bullied into a psych experiment. The bullies also take part. They and a group of kids get put into VR, where the Scarecrow brainwashes them into becoming his slaves. They're all dressed up like Scarecrows now. They're all horned up, traumatized co-eds dressed like Scarecrows. This thing can only go one place, Jason. We've gone from Scarecrow gets his groove back to fuckboy island oops all scarecrows he's also planting gas in the ventilation system it's classic scarecrow he's a lovable scamp he is you know what i appreciate about scarecrow what do you appreciate 
is that he's playing the hits, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. He's not like, like, like he this wrote, is what I'm saying. He is he, getting he, his groove back. He, he wrote my Sharona and he's playing a show and it's 20 years later and he knows the crowd wants to hear my Sharona. He's not going like, Hey, I got some new stuff too. It's like, no, no, no. He's no, playing no, no. the hits. Yes. The hits are gas in the ventilation system, scaring people into slavery. Yeah, that is it. Yeah. And Godhood <laughs> now or something. And, which and is... working within the, within academia. Yep. He's not the scarecrow that we saw earlier with mask half off, eating chips, wondering what to do with the mayor. Just way out of his league. Way out of his yeah. depth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I kind of... <laughs> I could watch, like, a lot more of that. It was like the... Uh, oh, yeah. Like, like, when I was sad to see... Um, you watched Game of Thrones, right? I don't uh, know. Yeah, up till the last season. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's like the, um, the episodes with uh, Arya and the Hound. Right, you right. You know? It's, yeah, it's that like, could have like been its knew- own show. Yeah, yeah. But our, our, our friend and my roommate, uh, Sean, uh, had said that, like, yeah, he wanted to see a sitcom spinoff called uh, Ari and the Hound, uh, Hounding Around. And like they would go from like <laughs> village that. to village, like writing wrongs like the A-team. I'm like, yeah, I totally want. And they'd just be like, uh, yeah, watch that. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, watch this shit. Like same thing with like the, the way the way they wrote Joker and Scarecrow. Like I knew it couldn't last, but I'm like, this is. Could this you is imagine fun. sitcom style? Joker and Scarecrow living in the mayor's house. Mayor is fucking terrified, traumatized. So it's like it gets dark sometimes, but it's like antics and and scrappy like stuff. Like Scarecrow's painting a line down the apartment and like, you know, they're getting into bickering. Meanwhile, the mayor is just traumatized. That's a hell of an issue. That's a hell of an issue. Well, it it would totally it would totally be like a uh, it'd be like an early adult swim show. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, what'd you, what'd you think of Shadow of the Bat 16? I I actually kind of dug it. I actually kind of dug most of the, uh, most Dude, of the Scarecrow arc. I love, loved the art, loved the art, the art, Dude, the art this month was a lot better. Like, I don't know what happened because it's the same artist. I don't know if they got like well rested before these, you know, started coming out or what. I was like, oh, that's good Batman. Oh, oh, that's that's some good action. Oh, I enjoy I enjoyed this. Oh, so I remember uh, reading an interview with the artist Derek Robbins, who did. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod before. I probably mentioned it to you personally like a million sure. times. But, you know, he was the uh, artist and co-creator of uh, Transmetropolitan and he was the artist on every single issue. And yeah. he was very, very proud of that. But he admitted like after like the series ended, he was like, yeah, there was uh, more than a few things here and there that i just kind of had to like sure that I, he's dude, like he's like that just you know happens. he looks at it and he's just like he's looking at the page and he's like i can't i don't have you know what i i'm just whatever i'm handing it there's in. a lot so of I times think, that i've personally worked where it's like i'm under deadline and i'm like i'm gonna finish the issue quote unquote finish the issue yeah. in that everything's gonna have color it's gonna be presentable and then if i have time I'll go back and do these extra flourishes or whatever, like punch it up a little more, but get it to yeah. a finished state so that it can get turned in and then, you know, move on from there. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can see that in a lot of like creative professionals where it's yes. like, okay, yes. they're getting it done, but it's not but, the best, but all right, you're getting it done. This month was a blessing. I felt like oh, we got yeah. none of that. It was like, oh yeah. Even, even across three different artists, I felt like, 
it was just bangers. Like I just enjoyed yeah. it the whole time. The Jim Aparo that we saw in Batman was the same Jim Aparo that I felt like I really enjoyed in Shadow of the Bat one through four. He brought those chops to this Batman. And I I was I felt bad because I was like I was editing the previous pod and I was like kind of ragging on Jim Aparo a little bit because you were like, oh, Kelly Jones did these covers. They're really great. And then you open it up and it's Jim Aparo and you're like, ah, but like, well, he kind of brought it this time around. I was like, all right, all right. Yeah. Jim, yeah. Making me eat my and words. I was still kind of cagey about even bringing that up because like, I don't want to like just automatically shit on like whoever is doing the interiors. No, 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 You know, but it's just that like, you know, Kelly Jones, is Kelly Jones, like. Right. Yeah. It's just, y- yeah. Y- He's just a master. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. You like, y- yeah, you put anything next to it and it's going to, it's going to look a little lackluster. Uh, Let's not devolve into the same conversation we had in the previous pod. I mean, I, I'm I'm willing to just uh, completely redo a previous pod. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I think I'm no, going to make Jason, a transcript no. and I'm going to just try to force us. Instead, okay, instead, <laughs> there was no double shipping this month. Batman and Detective Comics are both Nightfall issues. Batman 499 is Nightfall 17, written by Doug Munch, penciled by Jim Aparo, who we were talking about. Detective 666 is Nightfall 18, written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by Graham Nolan, also crushed it. Let me tell you about what happens in those issues, Jason. We're almost at the end of Nightfall. There's only one Nightfall issue left. Yeah, I noticed that. So let's let's keep that in mind as we as as I weave the tale for you. We open with John Paul Batman telling Robin to shut the hell up. It's fantastic. Batman threatens to feed gangster his eyes, so you know things are going real well. (laughs) Wheelchair-bound Bruce tracks down the guys who kidnapped his doctor and Tim Drake's dad to Bane's home island of Santa Parista with the help of Oracle. You know, the detective work he should have been doing for the past year. (laughs) Oracle lends support by saying, the first days in the chair are rough as she is newly put into the wheelchair by the Joker. John Paul Batman draws some totally sick gauntlets and then builds them and then uses them to beat the tar out of Bane's weirdo henchman. He punches out the bird. <laughs> the bird is flying around and he punched the hell out of it. Selena Kyle hides on Bruce's private plane going to Santa Parista. She's like, pretending to be a sleepy cat on the plane is that sexy it just made me uncomfortable jean paul batman puts bane's henchmen into prison and then he busts them out of prison so that he can track bane he fights bane in his secret lair of a small apartment on the second floor of a mall that is also apparently a construction site when you get high enough on it we get a bit more of bane's motivation there's a bit in there where he's fighting Bane and Bane says, so I have brought ruin to Wayne and his neophyte brings ruin to the Batman regarding what John Paul has done to the mantle of the Batman. I thought that was a really great moment because Bane understands what Batman is more than John Paul even understands what Batman is. Uh, yeah. It ends with a cliffhanger on who will win Bane or John Paul. And yeah. those were those two. Those were those two issues. What do you think, Jason? I I I feel I feel the same way I've felt about the whole Nightfall series, which is Man. like I get 
it's like I can see where they're trying to go. And, and yeah. I, I really am trying to be fair to them and kind of meet the title where it is, you know, sure. but like the Jean-Paul Batman character is like he's too new and unestablished for me to give a shit. And same I don't thing think, with Bane. Okay. I don't think you you're know, supposed because, to give a shit about John Paul. I think that you're supposed to give a shit about the mantle of the bat and the world at large. You know, like yeah, Gotham you, in general. But the problem with that becomes is that even if you take Batman as like a pre sort of like pre like grim dark Batman, you know, like sure. you know, separated from the the Dark Knight shit, it, he's a guy who has been shown even in his lighter uh, t- t- uh, representations to just beat the ever loving shit out of people and string them up from fucking lampposts. And now all of a sudden this guy who's just like, Oh, well, Oh no, no. Oh, Oh, we, we beat people up. Like, you know, within like a few inches of their life, not like within an inch of their life. It's like, Oh, oh okay, man. Like that, that's, that's why it's so like, I'm like, what is he doing? To, he hasn't okay. killed anybody okay. yet. You know, okay. like if if they would have allowed I hard, Batman, I hard disagree with everything to kill. Saying. Okay, it, look, look, it, look, look. Here's the thing. I think that the thing that you're that you're not clicking with this Azrael is is taking it too far, and you're like, I don't, I don't understand. Like they were they were already taking it too far, kind of thing. It, I I think that you just you have to buy into like more of the recklessness of Azrael rather than the actions themselves. It's like the context. Cause like Azrael didn't let the kids get clear before he started intervening with the mobsters. And like, you know, it it's, he's taking it, he's taking it too far in a way that's reckless, not necessarily in the action in isolation kind of thing. So like they get around that by by having Robin there, but right. there are times when Robin isn't there. And and yeah. miraculously, even when he's fighting someone when Robin isn't there, he he never goes too far then. You know what I mean? It's well, just like but I, on, I think only that, when there's I think someone that, there to stop him does Right. I think l- that l- story-wise, they're working up to Azrael crossing a line he can't go back from. I think they're I think what we're yeah. getting you, what you want is the ultra violence immediately. And I think what they're doing is trying to be like, hey, he's he's off the rails We're they're working it up. Like we still have Night's Quest Night's End in front of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I guess it's not like I don't need a a, a spot of the old ultra violence because me and my droogs already get that every night. Uh, but <laughs> like I, I just need to like see a clear difference between Jean-Paul Batman and Bruce Wayne Batman and what they do in the suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, to, to me, like that clear distinction, like it doesn't necessarily have to be killing or whatever, but like, it's like, I don't know, like have him like, you know, immediately like really break some guy's arm or something like that. Or you, you know what I mean? But like, right, you just get right. like, it, it's just, it's a constant, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a constant hold me back. Hold me back, Nick. Nick, yeah, hold yeah. me back. It's just like, ah. I think that we're getting a little bit of that. I think we're supposed to see it less in Azrael's actions and more as Robin's reaction to those actions. Like Robin is telling us he's going too far. And then I think the other thing is we're going to eventually start to see 
Azrael go down that road as he kind of fabricates the new bat suit that he's making. Like he makes the gauntlets in these issues, but he hasn't made the full suit yet. Yeah. And I think once he's in the full suit, we're going to start to see Azrael kind of go off the rails. I just want to make it clear that I do understand why they couldn't have Azrael in the bat suit just like either working guys you or don't like gotta catch just, it we're not just, on twitter like you don't have to bones disclaimer or it like, like it's fine it's fine dude no i i know i just i just i just don't want to come off as like some sort of like because I, I think i mentioned it on a previous show of like someone taking like young adult literature like books like way too seriously you know they're like, sure well sure. you see that the I, I think i think i'm still thinking of the whole anarchist thing before it's like oh well you see the thing here and like in the in the hunger games what they're really referring to it's like okay okay calm down guys calm down yeah sure just sure calm myself down all right that's all the nightfall stuff however there was one other book on the stands detective comics got an annual and i want to briefly talk about it with you jason because <laughs> it was batshit crazy i okay let me here's what i wrote for the annual there was also an annual for detective comics that was a piece of crossover arc called bloodlines earth plague written by chuck dixon drawn by jim ballant it was weird as fuck and it was also the middle of a story it includes the origin of geist the twilight man who is invisible sometimes, kind of, but not always. Aliens are here and they're eating people, I guess. They, whatever they don't finish eating turns into a superpowered person. But then like the other guy also got finished eating, but he was still around in a superpowered person. I don't really understand the aliens or what's happening here. Uh, there's people with superpowers. The aliens look like xenomorphs with dragonfly wings. But sometimes they're also a person, and that was never explained. Again, we're in the middle of the story. Jean-Paul Batman has his gauntlets like he does in Nightfall, but they look a lot different. And I thought that, story aside, I thought that it was interesting that DC Comics knew, okay, we're going to put gauntlets on Batman at some point in this arc. And then they were like, oh, we got to do the annual. What does Batman's gauntlets look like? And they still kind of didn't know by the time the annual came out. Like the gauntlets look really weird in this book. They're not colored correctly. And they're colored by the same person who'd colored a massive amount of Batman. So they probably just didn't know yet what was going on. And you can look at like it's an it's it's an annual. They're like, nah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the middle of a story. It's not Batman centric. Like Batman's barely even in it, really. Yeah. And then I was going to say the gauntlets on the covers that Kelly Puckett drew are also very different than the gauntlets that were in the actual issue. If you check it out by the end of Nightfall, Kelly Puckett knows what the Nightfall suit looks like and he draws it appropriately. So I think that there was just a lot of like, oh, we're going to put Batman in gauntlets, but we just don't know what they look like yet kind of thing going on. Wait, was that Kelly Puckett? Sorry, not Kelly Puckett. Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kelly Puckett's a writer. Kelly Jones is an artist. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was. Just <laughs> yeah, two major things. One, and I, I, I immediately looked this up because it made me laugh. So in 1992, so 92, 93 is when the Nightfall story arc, you know, right. was being, being published. And there's a line 
with uh one of the with, with the guy who becomes the uh sort of invisible man but not geist yeah geist the twilight um, man yeah there's a line where he's like at work he's like working for evil chemical corporation and he's like sort of like just down on himself like it's such an awful thing to place to work for and his friends don't talk yeah. to him because of it and the guy's like oh well straight out of college you're making 30k a year you shouldn't be complaining it's a nice cushy gig and blah 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. and i was like how much is 30 grand in yeah now money and i looked it up and it's about sixty two thousand dollars a year so i'm like that's okay, not bad not, that's a good living not, right out of college it's it's not okay but like it's not lose all your friends money i don't no. think no, yeah, it's not like work for like an it's not like work for like a, you know, Dow Jones adjacent, you know, parallel sure. money. Sure. You know, like, oh, I got a job and like, you know, and chemical uh poison children's water corporations giving me like, you know, $500,000 a year. It's like, okay, well, I mean, it's still wrong, but I mean, I get it. It's like, oh yeah, they're yeah. giving me an entry level job at 60,000. I can maybe get like an apartment in like that sort of not quite all the way gentrified neighborhood in downtown Gotham. Like, yeah, good Good for you, man. I guess. Yeah. It's like, like uh, uh, whatever, whatever. But yeah, but, but, but this issue though, the other major thing I had with this issue, which I had a lot of fun reading it. It's yeah. not very good. No, but it did. Re- but it did remind me a lot of those, those issues, those books that I would get when I was a kid, there'd be like some discount bin and I would just be like, well, fuck it. More comic books. I have one more dollar, a uh, few more dollars to spend on comic books and I can sure. like get three of these I don't know what number they are. And it was just one of those books where like you, you would read through it and be like, yeah, I don't need to know the rest of that story. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like even, even when yeah, you're like 12, <laughs> you know, you're like, eh, yeah, okay. Okay. It's, you know, Geist, the, uh, twilight man reminded me a lot of what you were describing with like wizard helps you put together a new superhero. It, it felt like yes. that. It felt yes, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's one, piece of this uh annual that i really liked it was like half a page i texted it to you because i was like what is this thing so geist the twilight man is uh back at his work it's the middle of the day and his powers this is so stupid jason his powers work like if he's being if he's in a lit area he's invisible and then he's like trying to also work at night with batman and i'm like dude your powers are daylight activated like what are you doing i don't, I don't yeah. know anyway the point the point is the point is he's at his work right and he's like oh i gotta go get my car he's like trying to like solve this very mundane problem and he's got invisible powers right and so he's got to go get his keys because his coworker picked it up and brought it into the office and he overhears his coworker talking shit about him so he's in there and he's like he's talking about guys the twilight man he's like he's a big zero never gonna be a company man too immature guess you're right take it easy and he's like i'll take it any way i can get it like he's just this like dingus guy working at the thing and the geist is there and he's like a big zero huh immature huh and then he puts a sign on his back that says my mother dresses me funny and then he's like walking away all satisfied in a superhero pose. And he's like, the vengeance of the Twilight Man. It's <laughs> just I, like, I what is this? War? There's an alien like eating people alive. 
and mm-hmm. and we spent a page of him getting a mild work revenge. And you know what, Jason? It made me think that Chuck Dixon has worked a job where people do not like him. And so he was like, I'm injecting this in. <laughs> I mean, probably. I know I've worked jobs where people didn't like me. <laughs> gotten into a fist fight over it before. All right, Jason. Well, let's just put a pin in that and uh, get to what we're really here for. Let's talk about Batman Adventures issue 12. Same team as the previous issue. Kelly Puckett writing, Mike Parabek penciling, Rick Burchett inking, Rick Taylor coloring, Tim Harkins lettering, Scott Peterson editing. I was camping a few eBay auctions trying to get one of the reprints on the cheap because yeah. I saw one. One went for under $20 and I was like, oh, damn it. I missed it. I missed it because we were recording the previous podcast, too, which is a real kick in the nards. Good use of nards. You can sometimes find a reprint at a mild price point that has not been like slabbed or whatever. I noticed that I was looking through auctions for anyone who doesn't know. This is the first appearance of Harley Quinn. So prices are expensive on these. I was looking through sold auctions on eBay, trying to find like what the going price point is on like an issue that is not slabbed, not graded. And it's usually like $600, $700-ish in good condition. I'm hoping maybe to find one in poor condition that I can get for maybe a couple hundred, but we'll see. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So let's kick it off. Batgirl, day one, act one, ladies' night. I really enjoyed um, Batgirl day one as a little little uh, send up to Batman year one. I'm like, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is so cute. good. This is cute. so good. Yeah. In saying Batgirl day one. We're talking about a Barbara Gordon that is doesn't even have aspirations of becoming Batgirl yet in this story. And I know that the reason this issue is so expensive is because it's the first appearance of Harley Quinn in any printed medium that DC mm. was putting out. But it's also like we're getting a piece of Barbara Gordon that I I feel like we didn't really even get to see, like not even in in comics or whatever. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's in comics in the regular mainstream Batman universe. But I thought it was nice to kind of just get like this little expanded universe Batgirl stuff. But anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. Ladies night. So it opens with Batman fighting a guy on top of mount rushmore who's shooting a gun at him i just love just the the like just immediately just yeah we're in media res batman is fighting a guy on top of mount rushmore he's trying to throw a batarang on him while holding on for dear life on a rope that's fraying as he's being shot at and the caption says batman he told me four days ago he was leaving the town to track down the man behind the rock ridge heist. So he's like a rock climbing villain of some kind. It's totally absurd, but it's a one off. Oh, we, d- we don't need to see this man ever again. It's just a one off. We turn the page and it's Commissioner Gordon talking to his daughter, Barbara. And they're talking about Batman and how he's swinging from rooftops and Barbara 
like you can see like a twinkle in her eye about like how she finds that exciting. She like the idea of being Batman is is a thrill for her. And yeah. her dad tries to dissuade her from it because it's her dad. And he's like, people are trying to kill him every single night. Like you don't want a piece of that. But he knows that she does want a piece of that. And she's going to a costume party. And she unveils her costume as being, of course, Batgirl. Yeah, I don't have a memory too much of their characters in the show, because I think in the original run of the show, there's not a whole lot of Batgirl. But I, I do. I did enjoy very much the uh, sort of the relationship that Barbara and Jim Gordon have is very much like father daughter. But in 1950s American sitcom, you know, sure, sure. It's like now, now, honey, that's very dangerous. Oh, daddy, I'm not going to do, you know, it's just a, it's a very it's very cute. I I, I dug it. There isn't a lot of Barbara in like the first season, but once they kind of reboot it to the Bat family, there's a ton of Batgirl. And okay. uh, Bruce Tim, I don't know if you've seen the show in recent years, but Bruce Tim is also kind of famously the architect behind eventually Batman and Batgirl kind of get together and have a relationship, which is yeah, you're making a face. I think we're all making the same face. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> but that is that is a thing in the DC animated universe. Anyway, we'll, we don't want to talk about that. Let's never talk about that. Let's sweep it right <laughs> under the rug. We'll move on. When uh, they were chatting about the costume party. Commissioner Gordon's like, uh, you're going to Cindy's party, right? And she's like, her name's Sandy, dad. It's a costume party. And then we we turn the page a couple of pages down. We get Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and they got a picture of this girl and Harley Quinn's like a costume party. It's too perfect. We walk in, grab Cindy and then <laughs> Ivy's like Sandy. We're grabbing Sandy and she's like, right, right, right. Grab her and then waltz her out and then collect a million dollar ransom. That was so, a, Yeah, that was yeah, that was they, a really good. That was such a good beat. That was such a good beat right, for a joke. Such a good you know? gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So we get our first image of Harley Quinn and it's like mostly in shadow and then them walking into an alley. So we don't really get to like really see her in the suit, but we get a little piece. And I noticed that I don't know if this particular issue was put together fairly quickly or if this particular issue was maybe they didn't have the resources yet to like to know the character sheets or what or what was happening. But there is in a lot of places a disconnect between the suit that Harley Quinn wore on the show and the, and the suit in this issue, as well as some errors with uh, Poison Ivy's suit. And they're juggling a lot. There's a lot of characters in this. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was that, that was a note that that I made of like. That was really like the only thing that kind of dragged the issue was like you could tell they were like, oh, but we need like all of these characters need to be here and they also need some FaceTime, you know, all of the characters need FaceTime and it kind of drags the issue down in places. It's like the feature that makes it fun is also the feature that's dragging it down slightly. So, yeah, yeah, it is what it like is. It, but yeah, it's, you know, we'll get we'll get into it. We get Barbara Gordon dressed as Batgirl, Batgirl day one, walking into the party, the costume party. And we see Cat's Eye Security Company 
and guys like walk, you know, like looking around, running security for this party. We assume protecting Sandy. I guess she's very rich, so she needs protection. Um, there's like a clown, an angel, an Egyptian lady. Well, I I wanted to say I'm pretty sure um that in the first panel on Oh uh, yeah, when you turn fi- the page, page fi- the reference. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Love and Rockets. Yeah, I'm pretty that's, sure that's too. Pretty, I was like I'm pretty she wouldn't have me because I'm not I'm not a sexy lady, but like Hopi is one of like she's my one <laughs> true love. My she's she is my my ideal woman is a woman that is already over my shit and can and will beat me up. So that's kind of like <laughs> most of the Love and Rockets women. So, you know. Yeah, but it's Yeah, that, that I, I noted like of course like three, right away. I'm like three that's, Love that's and so Rockets great. women uh hanging out, being bored at the party, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think it's well, Hopi, Maggie, and I can't quite make out who the one in the middle is, but no, that's all right. And then, you know, somebody at the party being like, who are you guys supposed to be? Which I thought was pretty fun. And we get, yeah, that was we get a little uh, people dressed as like Aquaman or Aquaman and Zatanna and Wonder Woman in the background. We get a Trekkie, yeah. you know, a doctor. There's like all these kinds of, you know, little fun costumes through this issue, which is which is pretty great. Yeah. And we get Batgirl making her way through the party. She's looking for Sandy. She eventually opens this door. This security guy from Cat's Eye Security is like, you're not supposed to be back here. And then he goes back into the room that he was coming out of. And we just hear, here comes the pitch. She swings. And Harley (laughs) Quinn has just hit him in the head with a baseball bat. (laughs) Just cracked the dude, cracked him. I really like this version of Harley. And and by this version of Harley, I mean to say... The uh, my favorite version of Harley Quinn will always be the one where she's like the most detached from the Joker, you know, because because I understand the I understand why they sort of like either have her go back or have it be like a strained thing. It's just easy conflict, you know, but like, yeah, just the like, like, I don't know. She's she's just a much more fun character when she's not being subservient to. Right. This other character. Right. You know, this is partly why the new Harley Quinn animated show works so well. Yeah, it's about really Harley and Ivy. It's yeah. not about Harley and the Joker. And yeah, it, it, like centers around her finding herself more than anything else. Yeah. And I, and I will say real quick, the the Ivy in here. I man, I forgot how one note Poison Ivy was for so. Long. Oh, man. For you so know? long. Yeah. And she there's OK. There's a whole thing. There's a whole thing with Poison Ivy. I watch a lot of the Watchtower database on YouTube, mm-hmm. and there's a whole thing with Poison Ivy in the DCAU continuity where it's like, is it Pamela Isley or is she creating clones from plants that look like people? Because that happened in a couple episodes. And then when they did the character redesign, she has white skin instead of pink skin. So is it Pamela Isley? Is it not Pamela Isley? Like she at one episode, she's like flies away on a plane. So like, are her clones running wild? Is she like on a beach somewhere? I don't know, Jason. But what I'm saying is the Poison Ivy universe is a little bit muddled in the DCAU. It, it's like what, like sort of like the 
ship of thesis, right? Like Theseus, <laughs> right, thesis? right, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it's it's just like if we you know, replace guess, all the por- if we replace all the parts of poison ivy, is it still poison ivy? Yeah, yeah. Which would honestly be kind of an interesting uh, story to write. Yeah, you know, like I, the DCAU, they tackle that a bit in a few of the episodes, yeah. where like the clones just want to be f- like free, basically of. They want to do their own thing kind of thing. Yeah. 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 There's some weird body horror episodes where they're plant based and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the point is, is that the DC animated universe is trying to figure out what to do with Poison Ivy to not make her one note. And at this point, at this time in the Batman comics, even in the Batman comics in regular Batman continuity, Poison Ivy is pretty one note. She's like, yeah. I hate guys and I love plants and that's it. That's all you get. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but, but she, you know, I, that part actually gets kind of saved by how, just how many characters are in this issue. Sure. You know, yeah. so like yeah. that, we don't so like that, to... that. It's okay. She's one note. Cause there's 18 other people yes. we have to get oh to. Oh my God. So yeah. So we have Batgirl in the hallway with Harley Quinn who just knocked out this dude. We have poison Ivy with, uh, Cindy, Sandy. Now even I've forgotten. Man, she's she's tied up. And Batgirl's like, "What are you, Batman? Squeeze?" And she's like, "What? No." Which is slightly alluding to things in the future that maybe Kelly Puckett didn't know about, but came to fruition. Um, and she's so it's like, his fault. "Yeah." So it's basically it's Kelly Puckett's fault. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you know what? Actually, hey, hey. I, I- <laughs> Hey, Kelly Puckett, I know you're listening to this. This is kind of like a to catch a predator thing. Okay. But oh, like no, Jason, stakes are no. far less. I really lower. like Kelly Puckett. Please don't do this. We, we caught you out. Have a seat. Why don't you have a seat? Please have a do seat. Not We're going to talk this. about this story arc that they put into some later seasons of the animated series. I have really enjoyed Kelly Puckett's helped. writing. I don't want to <laughs> alienate him. I have to work in this industry. Please don't do this. I don't want to alienate him either. He sounds like He's probably a very nice man. I'm just sort of an asshole. Not even sorry. I'm, a, I'm an asshole. You've known right. me long enough. So Okay. So we move on. Harlequin's about to swing a bat at Barbara Gordon. Yeah. And we're in act, act two, two. If the suit fits. So hit me with act two. Yeah. Act two is the fight with Miss Harley Quinn, who is just trying to take her out with a baseball bat and yep i got to i got to admit again another thing i love about harley quinn is that she is just violent you know yes. like miss, misses with the bat goes with the headbutt like right yep. like just like yeah exactly use whatever you got well-placed headbutt people you know yeah it'll hurt but it'll hurt someone else and then of course the cartoonish birds and stars and planets around on the, their on heads. The next page yeah, yeah. The gags and the man, this issue's full of gags. It yeah. is just Harley full of, Quinn, Harley Quinn and Batgirl both holding their heads with stars and birds floating around them. And Harley is like, I don't think I did that right. Referring yeah. to the head, but yeah, I, I, I wrote this whole issue reminded me of, and I do love these movies, but like reminded me of like the screwball comedies from like the 50s and 60s, like the seven sure, year itch sure. and like gentlemen yeah. for blondes, like all those, like because it's just like kind of like wacky. You know, yeah. it's like it's it, it's somewhat serious stakes, but everybody knows like watching the movie that like no one's going to die. We're all having very fun people, here. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just all, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some violence, but it's all like cartoon, but like we all, we yeah. all know what it is, which is, which I really, I really enjoy the, the, the bounciness and breeziness of, of this story and the, yeah, that just and Mike, sort of just Mike silliness uh, contributes a lot to that. The bounciness and breeziness. Cause the way he's drawing all of them is just super fun and like, oh, yeah. you know, just, just yeah. a good time. Yeah. Now that we have poison Ivy, not in shadow or whatever her skin tone is like real dark and greenish for some reason which i didn't really understand and then batgirl's forgiven but she's in her suit and the suit doesn't look quite right but it's because it's supposed to be a costume not her suit suit so it's like yeah i'll forgive her for that also i just wanted to uh since we're talking about this kind of stuff Harley Quinn's mask is supposed to be black and it's red through this issue. Yeah, that kind of that bugged me slightly, but. Yeah, and you, know. you can tell you can tell that, like, you know, this is the first appearance of Harley Quinn, so she isn't drawn as dynamically as she normally is these days. Like we have we have the benefit of a full history of like Harley Quinn drawings to pull from and Mike Parobek's drawing Harley Quinn for the first time. And he's just like, I, I don't know. I think this is kind of how it works, you know? Yeah. Well, who did, did, did Bruce Tim actually draw Mad Love? I know Paul Dini wrote it. I, I don't, I can't remember who drew Mad, Mad Love. Because it seems like after Mad Love, it, that, that seemed to almost be like a directive of like, hey, here's how you're fucking drawing her from now on. Yeah. It was Bruce yeah. Tim. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought, but I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't sure. So like, yeah, like the creators came in and we're like, all right, all right, everybody. If you're yeah, confused I mean, on how and, she's supposed to look. And no slight to Mike Parbeck. Like, I've loved oh, no. all his stuff that he's done. I just think that he's trying to do the best he can under a deadline, under, well, you know, like, not yeah. really knowing exactly what. And the colorist, too, like, trying to do yeah. the best they can. And well, the and, colorist and, is juggling so many characters. We're not even done introducing characters yet. So, yeah, yeah. So, Harley, uh, after the headbutt, you know, and the birds flying around her uh, and she just like falls to the just straight down with a thud. Yeah. You know, and knocked as, out. as Har- yeah, as Batgirl's still up. Harley Quinn yep. is down. Yeah. But Poison Ivy, uh, <laughs> this is also so great. So Poison Ivy, you know, sees this and starts to go after Batgirl, pulls a gun on her. But then whoa, whoa, Batgirl. Whoa. First, first, I want to say there is a tender mm-hmm. moment where. Poison Ivy pushes oh, yeah. Batgirl out of the way and she's like, out of the way. That's and right. then she's like, Harley, are you all right? And she's like, sure, I'm just going to lie here for a while. And uh, Poison Ivy's like, that's the spirit. <laughs> yeah, that, that. I think it. it is kind of funny how it seems like almost naturally anybody who got a hold of Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn at the same time and got assigned to like write them just seemed to immediately be like, well, of course they're going to be like super close. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. you know, and it just it just works. It just it does work really for yeah. I don't for know some who was, reason. I don't know who was the first to do it. I, maybe it was the comic. I don't know if it was the comics or the animated series. In fact, hold on. It would probably have to be the comics, right? Isn't there a girls' night episode? Yeah, but I would imagine that this came out before that, right? Because this is still in like season one of the animated series, isn't it? like season one or two. So it's still like early ish in the animated series. Yeah. 
Yeah, Girls Night, Girls Night Out is October 17th, 1998. So we're it's like way into the series. It's yeah. after the redesign. That's the episode yeah. where Harley Quinn, uh, Poison Ivy, and Livewire team up against Batgirl and Supergirl, which is a fantastic episode. But yeah, way down the line. So maybe this is the origin because we have the origin of Harley Quinn. Maybe this is also the origin of Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. Yeah, I mean, probably. So uh, let's roll right along in act two. uh, So so Poison Ivy checks on Harley Quinn. Nice tender moment, making sure her friend's okay and goes after uh, Batgirl with uh, a little wrist rocket like dart gun. But Batgirl very wisely knows what Poison Ivy really cares about and threatens to, quote unquote, murder a plant. Yep. She just picks up a plant at this like Halloween party in this like office building or something and throws it. And so po- is Poison Ivy's distracted and yes. dives to save this poor plant, which has just always been the silliest goddamn thing to me. After she's distracted, Batgirl runs to save Mindy. Uh, Mindy? Mindy? Sandy? Cindy? We're not sure. It doesn't matter. Yeah, is just, you know, goes to save her and starts untying. She's just tied to a chair, damsel in in distress. And I I did like the line that, like, you know, when she asks who she is, she's like, I'm a Batgirl. Batman couldn't make it. Yeah. yeah. Quick, (laughs) quick on your feet, Barbara. Quick on your feet. And they think they're making a getaway. And then they round the corner and there's just a gun straight in her face. Pointed by Harley Quinn. She squeezes her eyes and there's a shot. There's a blam. Yeah. And it, it just clips her ear. Yeah, she misses she misses Batgirl at point blank range. Yeah. Clips the ear. Do you think they were trying to do a Batgirl get gets paralyzed by the Joker kind of like homage? Like what if the Joker missed instead of like shooting Batgirl in the spine in the regular continuity? God damn it. I think I think they're making that joke. I think they're I making did, that joke. It's a deep cut Batman joke. But I'm yeah. so fucking pissed that I did not get that. <laughs> God damn what it. What is that? The killing joke? That's that's the, the, the arc, right? Yeah, I read that book like I don't know how many times. I mean, you know, the story obviously doesn't age well, but like at sure. the end of the day, it's brian boland man yeah yeah like, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna read anything that brian boland does man i also <laughs> and Alan i know i know we're not talking nightfall but in nightfall. all of the in, in all of the uh nightfall stuff that we were covering this pod i did really appreciate the moment between oracle barbara gordon in the chair paralyzed and batman in his wheelchair and her being like you know the first days in the chair are pretty tough and Batman's like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. I'm a detective, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't, don't, don't worry about it. I'll be okay. It made me, it made me kind of, cause we know that Batman eventually gets out of the chair and Barbara stays in it for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, Eventually she's written out of the chair, but it made me kind of like, kind of hate that they didn't i don't know work that relationship a little bit more in like a meaningful way but i don't know if comics even like mainstream comics had the language to really work that relationship well you know they got their language for like 
Bane punches Batman. They got that down. But I don't know if they have like the language for like a tender moment between two people who are bound in a wheelchair. Oh, well, yeah. Well, and I think I was thinking about it before, but like, you know, it's just one of those things where like, you know, like when I was saying like how uh, Poison Ivy used to be so one note and and also Harley Quinn used to be so much more different too, even from like the original like, and, uh, and I think a lot of that is, is like, thankfully, and even though it should be a lot more, but in the past, like 10, 15 years or so of mainstream comic books, they tried to make it a point to be like, Maybe we should have more women writing stuff. Hey, maybe we should have yeah. more women drawing stuff. Hey, maybe we should have more. Hey, or maybe di- or people who are disabled or uh, yeah, people who are, yeah. you know, like just to just cast a wider net. Because like you were yeah. saying, I don't think it's in Chuck Dixon's wheelhouse to draw to like write a tender moment between two people who are wheelchair bound and have and have it. As an audience, like. I think I'd buy into it less. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of unfair with such tight deadlines to expect sure, a writer sure. to That's like also go out thing. and like yeah. talk to like, cause like if I was writing a novel and like, you know, I'm not disabled yeah, myself, I mean, it's like may, maybe I would talk, talk to some people, but like, Chuck yeah, Dixon I'm not has under also that. Been, like he's also been double shipping. He did the annual, yeah. the annual was yeah. 50 pages. Like he's at this point, he's got a lot on his plate. So I oh, mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Anyway, anyway, Harley gets cracked in the back of the head before she could take a second shot at Batgirl. Yeah. And then these uh, these security rent-a-cops are, you know, rounding up Harley and Batgirl and Cindy Lou Who, the the hostage is Cindy Lou Who. And uh, Batgirl just kind of falls into a comatose state. I I really don't understand that panel other than like... She's just getting knocked out and then... Revive. They I consider, just got a little psychedelic with it. Yeah, I consider this a splash page, really, even though it's, yeah. you know, bifurcated. It's just a splash page with Catwoman. Yes. Catwoman. Our, our final and, character is introduced. Yeah. If, if, you, if no one picked up on the clues of the name of the uh, security company. Cat's Eye Security. Catwoman yeah. is here. These are her <laughs> goons. We well, have now brought in, I, I think, I'm most st- of the women of the animated series. Yeah, I just want to push back on that a little bit, though. Um, sure. These these people, I, I don't think, rise to the august title of goon. You know, <laughs> they're more hench, which is more fine. hench than goon. OK, more All hench right. than goon, you know, and also, you know, uh, Catwoman continuing her. And I love this. Her just manipulation of thirsty men. <laughs> Yes. Yes. What did we say in like one of the first pods? We were like, Catwoman's got a a, a low key simmer of being horned up all the time, and it's oh, perfect. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It is. It is, and it's freaking great that she's just just using it again. Yep. And uh, yeah, all all the and all the other ladies are uh, tied down while uh, Catwoman does her Catwoman thing in yes. Act Three. Out so, of the frying pan. Get a little bit of sizzle uh, sound yeah, effects there. Yeah, low-key sizzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pamela Isley being like trying to horn in her action, figuring Catwoman's trying to kidnap and ransom this girl. And she's like, hardly. You see, there's just the room above us houses this diamond. I want to get to the diamond. The diamond has a lot of security. So we're drilling up through this floor to get to that diamond because this floor has no security. And then being the goody two shoes that Batgirl is, she's like, but Commissioner Gordon personally guaranteed the safety of that diamond. 
Yeah, and I did. I I love that interaction because like Catwoman's like the the facial expression there is great, and just like her response is like, "Well, yeah, I heard about that." A little overconfident, don't you think? It's like she's insulted that she wasn't <laughs> right. thought of. Like, right, excuse right. me. It's it's such a good moment because it's like Barbara being the good girl and being like, "How could you?" And then yeah, Catwoman yeah. being like. How could I not? <laughs> well, again, again, it's such a great like 50s, mm-hmm. you know, either sitcom or screwball comedy thing, you, you know, yeah. yeah, where where it's the like the sort of more sexed up character is like is is the contrast to, to Barbara Gordon, like not saying it, but like, but my dad might get in trouble at work. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Which is Catwoman uh, opens a hole in the ceiling. Steals the diamond. She's got her henchmen there. She blows a kiss to the girls and tries to escape. Batgirl convinces Poison Ivy to shoot from her little wrist uh, crossbow to shoot the ropes to get her to be loose. And she does this little like arcing body movement so she wouldn't get stabbed by the dart. Her ropes are snapped. She's like, hang on, Sandy, I'm going to get you out of here. But first... And she throws the dart through the hole into the smashed glass. So the alarm goes off. Catwoman hears the alarm go off. And then she's like, okay, you guys go down to the first floor and distract the cops. I'll get out of here. And they're like, wait, but then we're going to get arrested. And she's like, tell you what, next time I'll hold off the cops and you guys can get away. (laughs) And then they're already gone. I love that. I love that. I, I wrote I wrote in my notes that I think I think Catwoman's actual I know she doesn't have like real superpowers, but I think her superpowers is her her confidence in herself. And oh, I think totally. it's also why why it's it's such a like, you know, she's such an alluring character because if you just yeah. write her as like she is so hyper competent and also has every right to have all the confidence in herself that she does because right. she very rarely gets caught. She does get caught sometimes, but right. pretty rarely. She usually gets Girl's it and yet skills. again. Yeah, and yes. she's, she's getting away with it. These thirsty men. It's what you get for being thirsty, all right? Yes, yes. Catwoman gets to the roof. Batgirl snatches the diamond. Catwoman's like, you! And she's like, don't come any closer. And she like takes out her claws and she's like, you're a little out of your league. This isn't fun in games. She's like, I know, but I can't let you have that diamond. And then Barbara realizes that the police are coming and that there's only going to be limited time up here. So she drops the diamond off the building. It clatters to a fire escape. So she tricks Catwoman. Think Catwoman thinks she threw it off the building. Catwoman's like, I ain't got time for this. I got to get out of here. Police are on their way. So she leaves. Doesn't really get into violence with Batgirl. Just books it out of there and then we get the final page at the end with barbara in her regular street clothes again and there's some great costumes great police policemen interrogating people in costumes uh commissioner gordon's there on the scene she's like barbara you all right and she's like i'm fine dad i wasn't anywhere near the action spent the whole time eating munchies so we have like uh a little bit of that you know barbara keeping her like risky lifestyle hidden from her dad kind of thing happening. We get a seed of that. Yeah. And he's like, what happened to your costume? And she's like, oh, that threw it away. Turns out it didn't fit. Yeah. By the 
drawback of like the too many characters. I really dug the issue. I thought I thought it was really it was fun. fun. I really like how it kept the theme with like I don't think Barbara Gordon threw a punch as Batgirl in this issue. She used her Did wits. She? She used, she her, used wits her wits mostly. Like, yes. Like, like every time, like she, you know, she dropped the diamond. She threw the plant. You she know, convinced, she, she, she convinced, uh, poison Ivy to, to get her help release. Her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she could go after uh Catwoman, like, you know, but, but like all without like, so it really showed like her, her cleverness, but also I think like, you know, very clearly kept with the tone of like, I mean, even even by the standards of this being an all ages book, but like kept with the tone of like the the issues story of it just being kind of like a screwy like like it wouldn't it wouldn't have felt right if there were too many like like how uh, last issue was like mostly action, you know? Right, right. If like Batgirl, it, w- it would have felt weird. If Batgirl if it was just pile drived Catwoman into the ground like Batman did to Man Bat, it would have felt weird. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I really dug it. What'd you what, what'd you think about it? What'd you? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought there was at times some of the art felt a little rushed, like a little claustrophobic when maybe I could breathe a little more. But Mike Parabek is drawing. I mean, let's run it down. He's drawing a costume party, which is not an easy thing to draw. He's drawing a handful of goons for Catwoman. He's drawing two more villains one of which he probably has no reference to go on with Harley Quinn. He's just like flying by the seat of his pants and like, and then he's drawing Batgirl and the commissioner and the police officers. It's just like, there's so much in here that even though I can tell that he's like cutting some corners every once in a while, it's like, I forgive it. It's just, it it ends up with not being the best looking Batman adventures issue. Yeah. However, still a good time. I understand why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could imagine that if, if I had ever fulfilled my dream of being a professional comic book artist, for, like working for Marvel and DC, my most hated line would be page one, panel one, a crowd scene. Like, oh, dude. thanks. Thanks, guy. That's great. It's, Gl- glad it's glad it took you all afternoon to even sketch out that fucking sentence. I remember a buddy of mine sent me a script and it was a character that was existing in, a, in their own universe. And then they tumbled into our universe. And then the script line was something like. And they tumble into our universe and they show up at a packed New York City Comic Con with a, everyone in cosplay. So they fit right in. And it was just like, oh, my God, like that took you like 20 seconds to write. And it's going to take like the artist fucking three days to draw. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's an artist I I really like I follow them on Twitter they do great work uh, their name is uh, Kendra Wells they've done stuff for like Dimension Twenty but also um, I backed their uh, Iron Circus book Real Hero Shit yeah really good go check it out Kendra Wells they're great but they made this tweet where they were like is like a project they're doing is the first time they're only just writing like they've written yeah. before but they're only just writing on this one instead of writing and drawing as they usually do. And they were like, this is too much power. I can do anything. I can have them be, you know, I can create the most complicated, like, I have like two dragons playing ping pong or like, I don't, I don't know what yeah, they wrote, but like, right, right, right. This <laughs> is like, yeah, it's a lot of power and responsibility writers. Just remember that. Yes. Remember. Yes. But so. yeah, yeah. I, uh, I enjoyed the issue. I thought it was fun. It was kind yeah. of, I feel like on par with the 
man bat issue in that it felt a little rushed at times. It felt like it's not my favorite Batman Adventures issue. It like hits the bar that I thought was going to be the Batman Adventures when we started this by being like, it's a book for kids. And then, you know, the first 10 just like knock it totally out of the park. Yeah. And become yeah. like some of my favorite issues of all time. But especially number six was it was the was the hitchcock murder mystery that book oh is so good. yeah that yeah that one was so really good. really good uh, yeah but yeah so it's not it doesn't ascend to that level but it's a good time and yeah. i will still try to hunt down the issue for my collection so <laughs> yeah that said we have no letters column because i don't have the issue and i we don't have the stinger either for the next issue so jason what i thought we'd do is look at the cover for the next issue and and hit me with a stinger okay issue 13 has batman deep throat french kissing a, a woman in a house that's on fire i'm not even joking with that like that's that it perfectly illustrates what's ha- he's like dipping her down and everything <laughs> i i i want Nay, I desperately need, I need to find out either the name of or a freelance artist who can ape the style. And I want to commission this cover, but done in the style of uh, romance paperback oil paintings. (laughs) It feels like that for sure. So hit hit me with a stinger. Next issue. Next issue. What happens? Next issue. Talia al Ghul, daughter of villain Raz al Ghul, is in Gotham City, working on a mission for her father, which is when Batman decides to step in to accompany her. Excellent. Print it. Print it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you want to hit the two read pile? I'm going to punch it straight in the face. Jason, you made that joke already. Please do not repeat your jokes. We talked about this. We talked about this. I am going to kick its dick in. No, my God. Does it have a dick? No. (laughs) You made it worse. (laughs) You've been reading anything lately? Uh, I'm still reading the same things. Uh, Finishing up Berlin, which just, just yet again, just, my God, what a, oh, get, yeah. get Berlin any way you can, guys. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really all I got. Honestly, I'm still, still, you know, okay. in my Berlin world. This is comics adjacent, so I'm bringing it to the two-read pile. But the reason right. that I haven't really been reading a whole lot of extra stuff lately is because I've started to go down a road into some arcane knowledge that no one should ever have, Jason. I downloaded an app on my phone. It's a, the CLZ app. It's a collector's app that will keep track of your entire comic collection. And you can scan barcodes and stuff. The Nick that you used to know mm-hmm. has been living in blissful ignorance of all the holes in his collection. Who knows what's in there? It's just a pile of comics in the corner. Who cares? The very first computer my family had. was uh i forget the the brand but we bought it from radio shack 
this was pre-internet and it was during a time where you still had to load this was before windows 95 so you still had to load windows if you had it on there through the dos shell yeah you know and a program that my father had gotten for me and that i was super excited about was essentially an inventory tracking program for all of my comic books so i could keep them organized and look up what is like the the same exact like and i was i remember being like like 10 years old or whatever and just being really really pumped about that be like oh this is so cool like i can you know make sure so yeah i've been there i've been there i mean it's been a while but i've been so yeah i haven't i haven't ever done this and uh i've been chipping away at it yeah, scanning yeah. barcodes Most, would have been super, super helpful. Yeah, mostly I, I'm able to scan the barcodes. It, it works like 99% of the time. A lot of the older issues, some are direct market, some are newsstands, so some don't have barcodes. Yeah. And that's a distinction that the app can make. And then also you can just like, you know, type in like the max and it'll give you everything, all every single issue the max has. And you can just like click the ones you have kind of thing. So it's it's ex- will expedite the process, but I have a lot of comics, so it's been taking a while to get through them. I did have some stuff that the app did not have because I like to <laughs> I like Jason. I love to live uh, on the fringe. I love that's to get not the weird surprising to me. I, I think I, I think anybody who. Yeah, I think anybody who knows you is not shocked at all. But there by... was there was a lot of stuff that they like. I was surprised to find in the app. Um, let me let me hit you with one that was that was in the app. Hold on one second. The comic book I was most surprised that they had in the app. Daffy Qaddafi. This is a Daffy Duck Momar Qaddafi who was the dictator in Libya, Egypt. I'm not sure. L- Libya. It was it was Libya. Uh, There's and yeah. Uh, uh, by all accounts, a monster. And also, Qaddafi's there too. Um, that's, hey. a, that's a joke, folks. Hey, hey. <laughs> um, waka, that book was waka waka. That that book was in there. There's like death crazed teenage superheroes. There's uh, Dragon Lance issues that were in there. Gun Fury returns. Jason, this app has highlighted how much actual hot garbage I own. <laughs> Gun Fury returns. I think yes. I think uh, I want Headman. That. I have that. No one knows what Headman is. It's fine. Don't look it up. Do not look it up. Kissing Canvas. Yes, I have it. It's logged. It's good. It's in the app now. But but the other thing the app does is tell you about like what are key issues and what are minor key issues like first appearances like. Important moments, valuable comics. Jason, I should not know this. No man should know this. This is my problem now is that I'm looking at this list and I'm like, oh, I do want that. I do want that Batman issue. It's a key issue. I do want that Batman issue. I bought the Batman issue. That's the first appearance of Renee Montoya because of this app. Jason, I'm a man unmoored. (laughs) I am. I am. Just taking piles of cash and throwing them at, co- at like comic book stores now. Eh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. You know, because 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 knowing you, you'll get you'll get yourself excited for it. 
and you'll find a, a an issue that you need to complete a collection for what at first you'll conv- try to convince yourself is at a reasonable price, but before you actually buy it, you're going to be like, I'm not, I'm not paying that. Never. Oh my God, Jason. I, I trust you. It's like you're in my head. You've downloaded me. <laughs> the reason that I, I started getting serious about this is because I started, I talked to you about how I wanted to start collecting House of Secrets, House of Mystery. And that's like when you, the early stuff, I think the first 80 issues of House of Mystery is not uh, horror. It's like Martian Manhunter and the hero dial and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, a good chunk of House of Secrets is also not mystery. It's superhero format. So I've been trying to like keep track of basically 200 comics that all look kind of similar. And yeah. I'm like, this is going to be impossible. So I have to, I have to start to keep track. I was using a spreadsheet for a while before, but this is way easier to keep track of everything. And, uh, I'm easy. It's easy to put it into the app it's rather than, you know, keeping track in a spreadsheet or whatever. So yeah, spreadsheets, spreadsheets can get pretty unwieldy, especially if you don't have like a whole lot of uh, skill within like Excel sure. or Google sheets, sure. it can get. Like if you know what you're I was, doing, then I was hey, using mine power, like but. a like a notepad. So yeah, I was not. It was not a good. Yeah. it was not a good system setup. So yeah. I haven't been reading anything because I've been keeping track of my entire collection, which has been unwieldy and time consuming. But what's uh, the name of that app again? CLZ Comics. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recommend it. 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 I think it's. 14 bucks for the year like they they charge a yearly fee but it's it's pretty minimal yeah and you can try it out for a week and uh see if you like it yeah so i don't i don't i don't mind paying for things that people make (laughs) yeah right exactly especially if they they do a really good job of maintaining it it's got thumbnails it's got you know like all these little bonus things it keeps track of like you can put in like if books are signed and then you can see just your signed books. There's all these little yeah. like perks. If you start putting in grades like, you know, 5.0, 10.0, you know, 9.6, whatever letter grades for different issues. It can also link to another app that will give you real time values of all of your books. I wonder, I wonder if they would have. What are you thinking? Recently. As in a few years ago, uh, 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 Colleen, Colleen Doran, is that how you pronounce her last name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Colleen Doran, who, I think who so. I, I've always been a huge, huge fan of, uh, she did this book with Neil Gaiman called Snow Glass Apples, but yeah. you know, it's like a Neil Gaiman, uh, like fairy tale story, but it's an old Neil Gaiman fairy tale story. And I used to have the original snow glass apples that was in a mini comic size and it was on are you talking about the 1994 snow glass apples is that what you're Uh, talking about because it's drawn by charles drawn by charles vess originally uh published for a comic book legal defense fund uh fundraiser yeah is that yes it's it's in the app (laughs) i had that fucker signed because i I, I had found it at sarge's it was signed by neil gaiman i bought it because Sarge's was only the, you know, it's a special edition thing, but they got it at just sure. some con, you know. And so Bob sold it for like 
I think under 20 bucks or something. And I just, sure. I mean, it was a cool, it was a cool story and it was just a fun little artifact to have, but then I lost it at some point. Sure. And then sure. I, I do want to get the new, the reprinted one because I do love uh, Colleen's artwork so much. And yeah, from, from what I remember, I, I, I dug the story. So, but I'm just like, man, like I'm not, I'm not sad that I don't have it because of whatever value it might be. I'm just kind of sad that like, a, yeah. a fun little object by two artists to, you know, a writer and an artist and like Charles Vess has always been a favorite of mine. I don't have, but sure. I, but what does it say? How much it's worth? Does it, does it oh, tell you right there? Or? I, you have to link, you have to give it a number grade oh, and then okay. link it to another app. And then that app will give you real time values. <laughs> so, God. which will, you know, be constantly changing based on the market. So you can really go deep oh. with it if you want. Um, it was also um, a really like kind of nice distraction just to comb through everything with fresh eyes. Uh, I found oh, a yeah. book that I think I'm going to try to get more of. I found Aztec Ace. Do you remember that one? I remember Aztec. So Aztec Ace is an Eclipse comic from Ooh. 1984 and the oh, reason that nice. the reason that with fresh eyes i was like oh i should get more of these i have issue number three there's only um and you can do a cool thing where like you click the comic series and then it'll say it'll say have three and then i click find missing comics and it'll go missing one two four to fifteen and then you can open that up and see all the covers so i have one issue of aztec ace and the reason why it jumped out to me was because I, when I was going through the collection, I was like, oh, Doug Munch wrote this in 1984. I was like, I should track the rest of these down, you know? Nice. Nice. I, well, man, I, I miss I, I miss Eclipse. I miss all those old. I miss the 80s black and white boom. Yeah. You know, if we I, ever. Dude, the reason that I have so much trash and and like weird stuff in my collection is basically because I have such an affinity for people who are making independent comics in like the 80s and 90s because that was pre-internet. It was difficult to do and expensive. Like you, yep. you couldn't just run out and like make a comic and then especially a color comic and like be like, I'm just going to make 50 because like chances are if you're making that color comic, it, you're like making a thousand you know what i mean you are committed mm -hmm. to it oh oh I, I i when i was a kid i researched it i wrote to people about it yeah i know we 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 talked about it on the pod yeah. that you wrote yeah. into um oh not just david mazakelli i i, I yeah. wrote to i would write to like like printers and stuff oh did like you? I, I i started like i started researching like what what printing and stuff like meant and like right. I, I remember it, it took me a year of like writing letters and researching to find out. And of course this is like 93, I think 94. Yeah. Cause I remember middle schools and I made that mini comic and you know, it, it took me like a year to like figure out that like, no, 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 that's fine. Just, just use a photocopier. Like you're fine. Just, it's, it's yeah. all right. Just, you know, but it took, it took me that long to just, because I didn't have the internet to have someone sure. be like, yeah, man, just use a photocopier. It's okay. You know, like you don't need like, the thing that I love is like, there's kind of like 
an insane mad zeal to these people who are making these like passion projects and getting and then they're like i've finally done it i've made the bugged out adventures of ralphie roach which is a real book that i have in my real collection yeah well dude well that like that's the whole era where like that's where like the tick came from hell that's where like teenage mutant ninja turtles came from like just all like the the silliest like and then even some of the more like hell that was even uh i don't know if you ever read zot but like you know that's where scott mcleod like made his name for you know with zot like it was actually like i I would honestly love to do like a deep dive in like history podcast on like that era of uh american comic books because i really don't think it gets talked about enough because like those those guys, yeah. a lot of them were like, those people were a lot of them were the, like, not only hyper nerds, but like, well, like, like you said, hyper nerds that were like, well, fuck it. No one's going to like, let me do this book the way I want to. So right. I'm just going to do it myself and we'll f- figure it out. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap it there. Uh, Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they get you? Uh, On Twitter for right now. uh, Still trying to figure out the other social medias and just other things, but still on Twitter at uh, King of Black Acid and at our uh, handle for the show, uh, World's Second Finest. That's uh, second with the second, the, the two, that number. Yep. Right up in there. That's on uh, the Twitter.coms as well. And uh, we'll see how long that site's still up. Yeah. In in preparation of that, I made a link tree for all my stuff. So if you yeah, go so to uh, Nick Phil on Linktree, I think it's just Linktree.com slash Nick Phil. Um, it'll give you a bunch of places where you can find me, uh, not only on World's Second Finest Podcast, but like my YouTube my Twitter, my Instagram, my Twitch, uh, the GeoCities. Yeah, my GeoCities, my Angel Fire site, your, you know. Your tripods, your, <laughs> which I think was a rebranded Angel Fire or something. The uh, link to the bushes outside of your home, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, everything you ever want for, for you know, it's going to be so much Nick, you're going to feel like you subscribe to Nick Plus, basically. Yep. Unknowable um, horrors, all of that. I did put uh, a link to a curated set of comic book pages that is like a starter portfolio for anyone who wants to get into comic book coloring. They're all flatted and prepped. So you all you have to do is hop in there and try them out. Um, I encourage everybody to do so, because I think that not only will you even if you're not interested in trying to trying to be a colorist, at least like wrap your head around making things and uh, what comic colorists go through when they try to make something on the page. Um, So that's also linked up there. And I'm going to try to keep the link tree updated with wherever I am and whatever projects I got going on. So, yeah. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. Well, also, like, as, as, as you were saying, uh, Scarecrow getting his groove back, I was like, yes, eat, hey, love. Is that anything? Is that anything? I don't think that's anything. Is that, is that, is that something? Just, Jason, we got to get through this, man. 
All right, let me just get through this. I'm hoping maybe to find one in poor condition that I can get for maybe a couple hundred, but we'll see. That musician that I, I texted you, like, hey, have you listened to Jeff Rosenstack uh, yeah. yet? And you were like, no. Well, he was a part of this uh, punk band called Bomb the Music Industry. And like all the stuff he's ever done is like, you know, it was all the DIY, like punk ethos, like yeah. all of that. Yeah. Right. And so like he uh, with Bomb the Music Industry and with like his his solo stuff, you know, he I saw this great, super angry tweet from him once a while back where he was like, I fucking swear to God, if I see any of my seven inches going for more than like a few dollars than what I actually sold them for. I will flood the market. I will bankrupt myself and flood the goddamn market <laughs> with the exact edition that you're trying to screw people over for. Don't do that. You yeah. know, and sometimes yeah. I'm just like, I just, cause I think there's a lot of people out there like you who would just like, you just want the issue because you want the collection to be complete. You don't really care. Well, yeah, and I want to read like, the letters column and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like, like you don't really care I mean, that. It, uh, like, to be fair, DC put out a fuck ton of reprints. And, oh yeah. Uh, I just you can didn't get them scoop in them trades. Up. Yeah, I didn't scoop them up, and now they're expensive. Even the reprints are expensive. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.